Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast, and the birds are chirping. The sun is out. I'm pretending it's 70 degrees when it's it's 50. We're into the 50s, uh, but hope you're all doing well. Dan Fitzgerald from Small Axe Peppers is our guest on the podcast today. Uh, we met each other when we were both in our OG days in our respective hot sauce ventures. Uh, it was April 2015. It was a fun, nice, beautiful day in April at the Brooklyn Convention Center, the New York City Hot Sauce Expo. I was a kid in a candy store. It was really what invigorated me to get more into continuing craft hot sauce. It, it was something uh, I'd stuck with when I was living in Ireland, but coming back to the States to going straight to the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, that was something else. But I had a lot of hot sauces and... Uh, one of my favorites uh, by a mile was the Verde sauce, the original sauce from the Bronx hot sauce, which you'll, you'll hear more about. So I remember meeting Dan in the parking lot, getting uh, a case or two of that for the Kraft hot sauce subscription box. And fast forward five years and we got Dan on the podcast. We talked more about the founding days at Small Axe Peppers, Bronx Hot Sauce, and hearing more about their team. Uh, Chef King, John Crotty, seems like an awesome group, fun people that, that are uh, doing some really cool things with community gardens and hot sauce. So you'll, you'll hear in the conversation. But for music, I have another featured song from my friends at Twisted Pine out of Cambridge, Mass. But with many musicians now, uh, you can you can still hear them virtually. You can stream them online, and they're doing some stuff on uh, kind of some live videos. But I'm childhood friends with their bassist, uh, Mr. Chris Sartori, and it was a bummer to kind of hear that they had to cancel their spring and summer tour. But it, it is the times, and so they released a, a nice mellow song that's been a kind of a great reset, uh, great thing to listen for uh, in the morning, and in other times just need to relax, enjoy some music. Um, so here is Twisted pine new feature uh, that you can download on Bandcamp. tomorrow the sun will rise uh, the whole song will be at the end of the episode uh, and you should also definitely listen to small acts by bob marley uh, after listening to this but enjoy let's go to the craft hot sauce podcast thanks so much for having me ryan of course of course uh yeah no i, I uh have you to thank for kind of a, a nice easy morning today it's it's april 20th and and i usually play some bob marley but i had some extra inspiration to uh play some bob marley after uh i, I heard about the the name transition so when we met i think it was exactly four years ago at the, the new york yeah, City this hot, sauce hot sauce weekend i think it's a, a, a time of year between uh hot sauce weekend, Kentucky Derby parties, handing out the seeds and the seedlings, which I'm sure we'll get to. So the next three weeks was supposed to be the most jam-packed time of the year. But unfortunately, with this corona quarantine, it's kind of been uh, more virtual. So yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it is a bummer. But I, I know we're, we're trying to kind of make do with the best and, and kind of stay safe and away from from people. 
but it, no, it, it was cool. I, I didn't get the connection between kind of the small axe peppers, which, which when I met you, it was Bronx hot sauce, and, but I would love to hear a little more of the story behind the, the yeah, name. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll start with the name because it kind of encapsulates a lot of our philosophy of why we make hot sauce. It comes from, as you said, an old proverb that Bob Marley riffed on and wrote a classic song about a uh, small axe. If you are the big tree, we have the small axe ready to chop you down. And so that in itself is kind of already gardening metaphor. And um, we kind of use that as our ethos and our mission statement to talk about how a lot of people wielding small axes and coming together can kind of try and solve a bigger problem. And in this case, the problem that we're trying to solve is funding urban agriculture and funding small plot community gardens so they can have a sustainable revenue source that will fund the rest of the garden. So when we were starting the company in 2015, myself and my partner, John Crotty, and his friend from nursery, Chef King Pajanakan, we all got together and those two are a generation or two above me, uh, older than I am. So they kind of grew up in the 80s with Bob Marley uh, and stuff like that, listening to all that great music. And it seemed like the only logical, natural choice for the name of our LLC was going to be Small Axe Peppers because there's just something about kind of trying to develop a grassroots initiative. We were two or three people. We knew that we had a great recipe from the chef who's a Culinary Institute of America trained guy. We knew that we had a great idea, which is to say who doesn't like community gardens, who doesn't like urban agriculture. We just knew that we had to rely on a lot of great grassroots partners in order to get mm. the thing off the ground. I mean, we weren't founding community gardens. We were finding community gardens with the help of a lot of great not-for-profits. And then as that kind of took off, we were able to meet six the first year, 15 the second year, 25 the third year, 40 the, third, uh, the fourth year. And now we work with about 100 in 15 wow. different cities. And so... The idea is by leaning on them to do what they do best, which is to say growing fresh and healthy produce, we can kind of supply our expertise, which is to turn some of the peppers that they grow into a premium priced uh, value added product, which is a delicious hot sauce. And yeah. so we started in the Bronx, which is what our original name was, the Bronx hot sauce. And after two or so years, two or so growing seasons in the Bronx, we realized that the idea was bigger than just the Bronx, it was bigger than just New York City, and it was bigger than just, um, you know, a local play. It was bigger than a local community garden play. And we thought we could kind of pivot a little bit from being uh, a New York urban agriculture thing into a uh, kind of wider community garden brand. And so we didn't know exactly how to do that. We knew that we had gardens in Chicago lined up, gardens in Detroit lined up, gardens in Oakland and Los Angeles lined up gardens in Texas, Baltimore, and a few other cities across the United States. We just didn't know how to have them grow peppers for the Bronx hot sauce. And yeah. so the chef dutifully, he whipped up seven or eight new flavors for us, all of which are inspired by different regions of the country and are awesome. And um, he was able to, we were able to reach out and we said, well, we won't know we want to make a Baltimore hot sauce and an Oakland hot sauce, but we just don't know how to kind of have an umbrella that kind of fits them all into one. And so the one that we kind of thought of was small accent, which brings us back to our roots and the original. Yeah. Form. Yeah. Cause I mean, Bob Marley was definitely, I mean, he, he was so much uh, definitely kind of a, a peacemaker with his music, but all, I feel like his, his actions and stances, I mean, greatly influenced Jamaica and, and, and the world. I, uh, I really recommend for, for those of you that haven't 
watched it. Uh, it's the Marley documentary. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen it yet. No, but I've read a few reviews and I've heard great things. Yeah, man, like that got me got me thinking and kind of appreciating everything that he did. But I mean, I, I think that is really cool hearing about kind of that that connection and and uh, kind of the the philosophy behind it. So um, I remember when. I first kind of heard about like the community garden and then you sourcing uh, the peppers uh, paying for the premium chef uh, King Fajana Kong cooking them up and then selling them up and kind of reinvesting into the gardens. I, I thought that was just, it kind of like blew my mind because it sounds kind of so simple, but at the same point that that's so awesome how it, it's kind of in, uh, greatly kind of influencing and helping out, out those communities. How, how did that, how did you all think about that? Well, we kind of made it up as we went along. And as we told all of our community garden partners from the beginning, we want to uh, crawl before we walk and walk before we run. So we always made sure that we were going to do everything that we said we could do and deliver every promise that we made, which has kind of helped us grow um, along year after year adding more gardens because we're able to kind of point to the track record that we've had. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We knew that these community gardens were doing great things. We, um, my partner, John, his day job is affordable housing development. And so okay. he was working in the Bronx in 2009 and 10 and 11. And a lot of the buildings up there had been foreclosed upon by the banks. And so the landlords were still collecting rent, but they weren't providing any services. They were, the supers weren't working. The, uh, you know, electricity bill wasn't being paid. The, Plumbing wasn't kind of being repaired and stuff like that. And so they were able in the business of taking over the really uh, squalid living conditions in the Bronx in some of the buildings up there. The first one being on Kelly Street in the Bronx in a, on a block called Banana Kelly because it's shaped like a banana. And uh, actually Colin Powell grew up right up the block from there oh, no in the 70s. So the neighborhood's gone through a few iterations and a few transitions. And so that was one of the first buildings that they owned and it had this vacant lot in the back that was full of glass and diapers and needles and stuff like this and it just was a beautiful large probably third of an acre maybe even half an acre space but it was just totally um, fallow or being wasted because there was nothing there and so one of the first things that he wanted to do was put in a community garden there and so through a few different city grants and city agencies and the help of Grow NYC, which is a not-for-profit up here that helps with urban ag and New York Botanical Gardens, which also has a great um, program called Bronx Greenup. They were able to build a community garden. And so the first year they just grew for the community and that was great. And we saw immediately the problem that we identified was that they didn't have any way to kind of make money, which was fine because they're not really in the business of making money. They're in the business of growing healthy, fresh produce for people yeah. in the neighborhood, uh, in food deserts and in different areas where there's not a lot of access to fresh produce. So we were thinking about that, and then we thought about how we can kind of, with the 10% of the garden devoted to a cash crop, we would be able to kind of help them fund the rest of the operations of the garden. Because even though community gardens don't require millions of dollars, they do have startup costs, soil, yeah. mulch, compost, seeds, you know, repairing the water system if it breaks. And so rather than going out of pocket or depending on grants that may or may not be there, we were trying to figure out different ways that we can kind of help them uh, do what they do best, growing the uh, affordable, fresh and healthy produce to earn income. 
And so, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I hope those are all sales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we wanted to give them a way in which they could earn income supporting themselves doing what they do best, which is to say growing the fresh and healthy produce. And so we knew that there was a need for them to earn income, and we knew that there was a demand for hot sauce and local products, but we just had to envision a way that we could connect the two, the really vibrant urban gardens and the socially conscious consumers in their neighborhoods. So we came up with a few iterations of the first product. One of them was tomato sauce, the problem being that if you grow 100 pounds of tomatoes, after you boil it, after you cook it and jar it, it's only about 10 pounds of tomato sauce. And we came up with a, you know, a salad dressing as well, but that kind of doesn't fly off the shelf. And Newman's is kind of already in that space doing pretty, uh, pretty good stuff like with their not-for-profit. And so hot sauce was the logical next step because peppers, uh, you can grow a lot of them. They are pretty hardy. So even if you don't put them immediately in you know, the hot sauce, you'd have maybe a week lead time if they're kept refrigerated. So we could kind of work with them, uh, transporting them from the Bronx, the kitchen that we were cooking in the first year. And it's additive. So if you put peppers, you add the apple cider vinegar, you add onions, you add the garlics, and you're able to add all these different ingredients that kind of add volume to it. So 100 pounds of peppers can get you about 1,000 pounds of hot sauce, let's say. And so that's really a value-added proposition because then it allows us to sell it for a more expensive price to kind of accommodate the premium price that we spend on the peppers. And so that was the initial idea, and we had no idea if it was going to work or not. What, what, when, when, when were you guys floating that idea around? Was that, because uh, I, I know like we met in, I think in 2015, there was a lot of stuff going on in 2015. What was that? So my partner would say, um, this is a, stor- a, a story in the founding lore of our company. He came up with the idea and he went to a few different not-for-profits and he said that he was going to make a hot sauce out of the community gardens in the Bronx and maybe 14 or 15 people were at the round table and they all laughed at him and he's a very dramatic guy and he has us all in stitches with the buildup. I'm not going to do it quite justice, but the idea was that they, we could make a hot sauce out of community gardens and the pushback was that it had never been done before. And as we like to say, nothing's ever been done before until it's been done before. And so we were able to kind of just see if it was going to work. And so, like I said, we started small. We worked with five gardens the first year, and we grew 150 pounds of peppers. And we thought we were the bee's knees. We were in business, baby. We had a 1,000 bottles. We, you know, were rocking and rolling. We had a few good connections to Whole Foods initially through our not-for-profit partners. And it just felt like the biggest thing that we had ever done. And we sold out maybe, maybe the harvest came in in September or October and we sold out by that Christmas season. So we're like, wow, this is great. Were you all kind of slain in sauce or, or, or kind of what, what, cause I, I think I, I've been part of a few different startups and from like building it to an idea to getting it going. And I feel like the magic and when you're kind of looking back, it's always when you look back, things are always greater, but like than than in the moment. But some of that excitement and that raw energy is just something that can't ever happen again. So, do you have any any like fondest memories of, of kind of when you all were flying high and, and the bee's knees after uh, a thousand bottles? Well, you know, we like to think that building this company and kind of making this hot sauce has been like climbing a mountain. 
And yeah. I've done a few hikes in my day. And <laughs> whenever you think that you get to the top of the mountain, you realize you're just at another plateau and you see how far you still have to go. Yeah. And so we've probably had 10 moments like that throughout the course of our company from, like you said, the first harvest uh, where we had 150 pounds of peppers from these community gardens. We were able to almost immediately turn it into a thousand bottles of hot sauce and we were able to sell out. We're like, wow, this is a company. We did this. We didn't even have any idea how far we had to go or how not far at all we were along the process of building something that was truly sustainable. But thankfully, we've met a lot of amazing people along the way who have held our hands, who have put in a big order when it looked like we were about to run out of money, who have helped grow with us and grow alongside us. And so now we could say five years later, we are uh, still here. So you had asked, is there any like real big takeaway story that we had it's been an amazing ride and we've met a lot of wonderful people. Uh, you know, when we first came up with the recipe, the chef who is a friend of, from nursery school with my partner. Wow, John I didn't know it went that far back. <laughs> yeah, they went back till maybe two or three years old or whatever wow. in Stye Town in Manhattan. And so um, they've known each other for quite some time. And Chef King is a Thai and Filipino chef and he's trained at Culinary Institute of America. So he had pretty good peppers, he had pretty good flavors, and he was able to kind of capture that in a bottle. But uh, we had gone up to um, Cornell University, which is the agricultural extension of the state yep. of New York. And they have a whole, you know, pepper specialist up there who kind of tells you what peppers will grow really well and what climates oh, what really? wow. will not do so well here. And as part of that, they also have a division that helps test for anything that you put in a jar to make sure that the pH level is high enough. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I, yeah. I, uh, I, I go through my, my process authority with crack sauce through Cornell, but I, I didn't realize that they had kind of the, that pepper expert arm, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, the agricultural, uh, I think there's one for every state and they kind of are all about trying to develop different modes of agriculture that kind of work in those specific regions or parts of the country. And so, yeah, the pH, the, the lady that we met up there who does the pH, I think her name's Olga, she was like, I've launched probably 10,000 companies. And we're like, well, we didn't even know what that meant, but we were just happy that we were one of the 10,000 because we were like, wow, well, I guess, you know, we have a great future ahead of us. And so her job is to make sure that the pH level is high enough and it's acidified enough that it could sit on the shelf for a year, two years, three years without, you know, developing any bacteria. And so we went out after we met with this lady, Olga, and we went to um, a bar, as one would do in a town of, in upstate New York. There's not much else to do. And uh, the bartender there, he um, was asking us and asking Chef King about the different hot sauces and stuff like that that we were developing. And he ran into the back and he came out with five or six different mashes of Carolina Reapers and uh, Scorpion and Ghost, things that are way hotter than anything we've ever made or want to make. But we were like, we took that as an auspicious sign the first moment because, you know, not only did we have a great meeting with the Cornell Agricultural Extension, but the bartender in a town that literally had one stoplight happened to be... <laughs> cherry pepper or hot pepper expert as well. So that was like the most auspicious beginning. That was before we even made a single bottle of hot sauce. And along the way, I mean, the distributors, the retailers, the uh, online sellers, and the community gardeners themselves have just been the most open, warm-hearted, supportive people um, that we could have ever hoped to encounter and That's partner awesome. with. And it just is a joy adding new gardens every single year because there's not been a single one that has said what you're doing is stupid or not worthwhile or doesn't fit our model or doesn't you know work with us anyone who can help 
in the community garden community has helped. And um, if they don't have enough space or land, they've provided a uh, connection in their city that does have land and space. And it's just been an amazing thing to grow. And so yeah. it's very cool. Yeah, no, that's um, it's something that always surprises me too. It's just like, just the amount of kind of undercover people that are so into hot sauce and, and chilies and growing and, and uh, even at the farmer market, like sometimes I'm, I'm like sampling some sauce for talking and then like two minutes later it comes out and they're like, yeah, I've been making like four different types of hot sauce. Like I've been doing this and like, I'm thinking actually about starting my own business doing it. Um, so I, I think it is really cool to see, but um, I, I think one of, uh, and I don't want to put these these words in your mouth, but uh, I think it, it rings true for me is that kind of some of the most fulfilling pieces is the sense of community. And and I, I think that was kind of ultimately the goal of of creating kind of a tighter community and, and helping get money into community guards to to help support it itself. But um, I, I know just from folks uh, in, in my area, just talking about the uh, connection to a community garden and what that can do. And, and, and I was actually at Chili Fest, it, which is put on by Kitchen Garden Sriracha. And I was talking with uh, Fiona Palumbo, who's um, with Fractured Sauce. And she was just like, I like the KG uh, Kitchen Garden Farm has like an awesome crew and they're just so tight. And, and I, I've known just with folks um, where I grew up in Concord, they have a, uh, it's called Gaining Ground, which is a community garden. And I think it's people that haven't been in that a garden or community growing atmosphere coming in and, and just feeling so welcome there. But it seems like you were very involved with setting a lot of this up. So how did those community gardens come together and, and kind of what were some of the the things that kind of made it like click and feel like this is like really something the community itself is growing yeah no that's exactly right I mean it's just it's definitely more than about just peppers it's definitely about people at the end of the day because the people are the institutions they're the people that go week in and week out and weed and plant soil and topsoil and rotate crops and not just you know, growing plants, but using those community gardens as a space where members of the community can actually gather and organize and do social justice meetings. I mean, I go uh, around the Bronx and Queens because those are local. And so I get to see those gardens throughout the course of the season from June, July, August. And I'll pick up the peppers. I'll run in for either two minutes uh, if, you know, they're busy or uh, I'll just pick up the peppers and go, or I'll get a chance to sit with them for, you know, 25 minutes and drink a lemonade in between, you know, <laughs> traffic on the Cross Bronx Expressway or the Major Deegan. And there's not a single Saturday that goes by that there's not multiple, not just one, but multiple groups, you know, nursery, pre-K, high school groups, re refugee groups, immigrant groups, kind of doing urban agriculture and learning about culturally appropriate farming methods mm -hmm. and different things that they can't buy in grocery stores from their various home countries. I mean, one of the cooler things that I saw was I was able to go out to uh, Phoenix where we grow some peppers in Tucson and Phoenix. And it's a garden run by the International Rescue Committee, which is, you know, one of the organizations that's really big integrating refugees into the United States, you know, when they come from all these different war-torn places. And the garden was half Southeast Asian and half 
um, African, West African, and you could see it in the beds because the Southeast Asian people, they have um, a real sense of rice paddies and water yeah. irrigation as a result of the rice paddies. So their rows were like two feet high, maybe, you know, 18 inches high. And the African um, farmers, they had a different sense because they were kind of gardening or farming before in West Africa, which is, you know, a different type of soil. So their rows were incredibly low and they were really using uh, water in a totally different way, even though it was wow. in the same community garden. And even though they didn't speak the same language at all, I mean, they were both learning English, both groups, but, you know, they were able to communicate through farming. And it was just one of the, the most amazing things I ever got to see. Uh, just through a single, you know, third of an acre community garden in Tucson and Phoenix, seeing that two groups would never have come together, were able to come together here in America, but also in the community garden. And so it's been an amazing thing to participate in because, you know, it's just one crop that they grow is the peppers, but as a result, it kind of provides a nexus point or a focal point for a lot of people who don't normally think about food or where their food comes from or community gardens especially it allows them to think uh with a five ounce bottle about you know the backstory and the amazing urban farming and community garden initiatives that are happening in cities all over america wow yeah no i mean that that, that is so cool like creating that is i think like you got to get the the soil the seeds the plot the people but i think there's also i'd imagine just uh especially when you're building a fast, a really fast growing company with it, there's a lot of coordination. And from a, a little creeping online, I, I uh, know that you did some teaching uh, with Teach of America in, in New Orleans. And I was kind of thinking that there's probably a good connection of, of building kind of a nice classroom with kind of building a community where you got to get engagement from people. You have to give them the resources and the, the atmosphere that is going to create a good environment for them am i making up some like kind of no, connections no, I mean, to there or, or the only thing that i would kind of push back on is in nine out of ten or 99 out of 100 cases the community gardens um already have a lot of that i mean yeah. they have that that exists we're our value add our value to the whole project is that we're able to reach out to them and give them a deal in which we donate them the seeds uh, or the seedlings, depending on where they are. We donate them the UPS boxes and the UPS labels and we pay for the shipping. And then at the end of the season, we pay them a premium price for whatever they grow. And so they already were doing amazing community garden initiatives. Like I said, they were doing urban agriculture. They were doing it with refugees and immigrants and alternatives to incarceration. They all had that going on. Our value is that we're able to Purchase for them, guarantee that we'll buy 100% of the peppers that they grow, which is to say some gardens grow 10 pounds, some gardens grow 100 pounds, some gardens even, I think last year, grew 1,200, 1,300 pounds of peppers wow. as a real income source. And so we're able to take that and then use whatever expertise we've kind of made up along the way of the last five years, marketing it and selling it and doing logistics. And we're able to you know, make sure that that goes on the shelves of Whole Foods in their cities, or you know online through great stores like yours and stuff like this so it just depends on what uh, kind of their model is and we just try and push put our push ourselves into their model as much as possible i always say that we're as flexible as we can be and as um uh, you know we're as flexible as we can be in terms of trying to just help them empower themselves to do what they do best and so when we write them a check sometimes we write a check to you know the 
not-for-profit that they work for. Sometimes it's one person in the garden that just, you know, wants to kind of earn income for themselves. And we have no stipulations. We have no requirements that they do anything with the money. It's just up to them because we know that they have, they're in touch with the community far better than we could ever be in touch with the community. We don't require any sort of, you know, deliverables or anything like that. If they send us one pound of pepper, they get paid for one pound of pepper. If they send us yeah. a thousand, that's what they get paid for. And so that's been very cool for them because some gardens have used it to, you know, fund a com common, you know, space. Some gardens have used it to fund water projects and irrigation projects. And some gardens have used it to just throw a big party at the end of the year. And it just depends on what they want to do with nice. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool because I think flexibility is just so important when it's like I think your tendencies as you get bigger, especially a business, are to get a little more rigid. Just so like forecasting and growing can be easier for for you. But I think you've all thought about what this is for the first place and and uh, kind of circling around that. But you all have sold like hundreds of thousands of bottles of hot sauce and are I mean you've been featured on hot ones like I remember I was scrolling through Instagram one day and I got like a targeted ad and I was like oh wait that's Dan Fitzgerald uh with an ex American Express oh yeah ad. that was a great, a great <laughs> yeah. uh yeah got on got on the big screen but I'd imagine there's a lot of kind of planning forecasting or are you guys a hundred percent can get your uh ingredients from from these gardens still today so what, what we do is i guess i guess i'll walk you through the year if that's okay. yeah because i because I, I know like so much has gone on in the last five six weeks but uh like a whole kind of year yeah, would, would be cool just sure. to see that it's uh, i mean and it's cool because it's changed the way that i think about a lot of things because you have a business cycle which i guess is from in January 1st to December 31st or kind of follows the year, but then you have the planting cycle, which is yeah. kind of a totally different thing. And it's a much more uh, natural thing. It kind of puts you in touch with the earth in a much different way. And that was one of the things that we kind of realized when we were making the hot sauce company in that garden that I started speaking about Kelly street. They had, um, they were doing a video kind of to show the before and after of what the building looked like, just the building and then the garden as well. And a lot of the residents were talking about what the past was like and how terrible it was. I mean, I was in an, an apartment building where I could stand in the basement and see straight up through to the sky through five floors because there was a hole, you know, that had been rotted through where the, you know, plumbing had been. And it was crazy. So they had the past and they were talking about what the conditions were now, which were generally pretty good. You know, they had improved a ton from what it was initially, but not a single person talked about the future. And uh, afterwards, we worked with a group called the Ghetto Film School in the Bronx, and they kind of put together the video. And we were saying, isn't that screwed up? I mean, there's no one in the, you know, no one in these buildings that's talking about tomorrow. They're all talking about yesterday, what happened, mm -hmm. and today, what's happening. And they laughed at us and they turned and said, you didn't grow up in the Bronx. The future is a luxury that few people can afford. And so that was one of the things that kind of stuck with us when we were thinking about the gardening in particular, building community gardens, because by necessity, you have to think about tomorrow. You have to buy the seeds in March and then we send the seeds to all the different gardens and they're able to start them in their, you know, little Dixie cups in their starts. And that lasts maybe six weeks or so until they kind of become seedlings and seedlings yeah. are maybe an inch or two high and you're able to transport them into and transplant them into the garden beds themselves. And that is kind of, depending on the size of the space, a thousand, 
50, 25. And after that, the seedlings grow up into stalks and into plants themselves. That takes until maybe about mid-June or July, depending on what region of the country you're from and how hot it is. And then we know that those plants get between two and a half and four pounds per shoot. And so if you get 100 pounds, we can kind of project that you're going to grow anywhere between 300 and 400 pounds of peppers for the Small Axe Peppers Hot Sauce Company. And so then they start sending them back to us in July, August, September, October. And even last year, we got some deliveries in November because it was kind of a later growing season with the, mm -hmm. with the heat's changed and all this different stuff and global warming. And then that works out perfectly for us because we found out, you know, as we learned everything along the way, and our kitchen has been incredibly helpful with this along the process as well that we have them ship the peppers to our cold storage facility, which is kind of just, you know, our distributor that works in the New York City area. They have a pallet for us, a 40 by 40 pallet. And as the UPS boxes come in, they just drop them on the pallet. And then after they fill up two or three pallets for us, you know, in July and August, it's once a week. But, you know, later on in the season, it's once every two weeks or three weeks, depending on how much they uh, deliver the peppers to our kitchen and then our kitchen uh -huh. immediately puts it in the apple cider vinegar, which locks in the freshness, locks in the flavor. Uh -huh. and, and from that moment, we can cook in one week, one year. You know, Thankfully, our demand has been such that we rarely are in stock for more than a week. So as soon as we get that in, we're able to cook with it. And that has been a real boon to our projections and business models because we're able to kind of know, oh, we have 2,000 pounds of peppers in mash, which means that it's gonna make this many kettles, this many bottles of hot sauce. So we can kind of project that if we have a big sale coming up or something like that, we're able to use that mash and put it right into the bottles and wow. then sell it immediately. So it is one of those things, and that's one of the advantages of hot sauce or any of these kind of preserved methods whether it's a jam or a salsa or a hot sauce of course is that you're able to kind of enjoy it and eat it throughout the course of the year even if it's only in season for two or three months i mean most gardens and most farmers in particular have the problem that they have too much of something for too little right. a year and then not enough of it for too much of the year and so this is kind of one of those ways that gardens are able to preserve what they grow so we can enjoy it year-round in our delicious bottles of hot sauce yeah, that's cool. And and when you were uh, started off a conversation, when you were kind of alluding to different styles of of hot sauces uh, in different regions, I remember I, I'm I'm a sucker for a Verde hot sauce, especially mm -hmm. at an expo because I can have ten different Verde sauces and kind of pick which one was my favorite, as opposed to habanero or, or like ghost mm -hmm. pepper sauces and. I get I'm like toast, but I, I, uh, and I'm not just saying this, but I, I remember that year when I first had your sauce, I was like, damn, that's like a spot on awesome Verde sauce. But what are some other styles that you've kind of made for, for different regions? Yeah. So, um, the chef is incredibly artistic and creative and he wanted to kind of pair with each city that we expanded to a different flavor profile that worked for that city. So the first city that we went to was actually Borough, it was Queens. And Queens, as you might know, it 
is the largest diverse population in the United States. It has more people foreign born than anywhere else on earth, I, I think. Like wow. 200 languages or 200 countries are represented out of 204 countries. In the wow. world. So it's just an incredible place to go. And so it, uh, the subway line, if you know New York City, the seven train is emblematic of this because if you ride it, you go from Sunnyside, which is, uh, you know, Irish to take it a little bit further to Jackson Heights where you pretty much have everyone, but it's a lot of South Asians. It's also a lot of East Asians or not, I'm sorry, not East Asian, South Asians there, Southeast Asians there. And then you go a little bit further and you go to um, Flushing where you have uh, East Asians and stuff like this. And so it's just everyone from all over the world is on this one train line. So when we made the Queens hot sauce, we called it the Queens seven hot sauce because of the seven train. And uh, we put a different ingredient from each of the ethnic groups oh, wow. that are on the seven train. And so I left out Mexican, of course, but I'll, I'll just walk you through it. There's tomato, which is kind of the basis of curry, which is obviously South Asian. And then there's the jalapeno peppers, which is Mexican and from Corona, Queens, where it has a very large Mexican population. And then the secret kicker was the fish sauce, which is used highly in Southeast Asian and Asian, East Asian cuisine, kind of provides an umami flavor. And that's uh, flushing, which is kind of, uh, so we had three different continents represented in one bottle of hot sauce. As we went on, uh, a lot of the other flavor profiles that are great, uh, one of my favorites is the Detroit hot sauce, which is made with ghost peppers and chipotle powder, uh, chipotle peppers, I should say. And so the ghost peppers provides that heat. It's one of the hottest hot sauces that we make. But the chipotle pepper provides that smokiness. And Chef King wanted to pair it with Detroit because it's the Motor City. And so it makes sense to kind of have that cool. smokiness and uh, sweetness that comes from the carrot, but also the smokiness from the chipotle pepper, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, this year we're pretty ex excited. We launched a California raisin hot sauce, which is- Oh, wow. Point. And so we have some um, jalapeno peppers and serrano peppers grown in community gardens in Oakland and in Sacramento. And we also have raisins because what else is more emblematic yeah. of California than the grapes and the raisins that they grow there. So that's awesome. You know, each no, I... the country has kind of a different uh, flavor profile. And so he's tried to capture that in each of them. I'll give you one more if you don't mind. Yeah, I love that. We launched on the Hot Ones All-Star season this year was season 10. And so we launched the um, Chicago hot sauce because we have 20 or so gardens that grow jalapeno peppers for us in Chicago which is super cool. And the host of Hot Ones, Sean Evans, is from Chicago. And so we thought it would be a good pairing to kind of release the Chicago hot sauce through that uh, brand new debut season of Hot Ones. And in that one, Chef King was inspired by uh, the Red Hot Hot Dog, which is uh, Chicago yeah. delicacy, apparently. It's a special style hot dog with dill and relish and pickles and mustard. And so the, sure enough, it has jalapenos for the heat but then it has the uh, spicy relish kind of uh, mustard seed and dill weed and all this different great stuff kind of that can capture that's awesome. Chicago. So we have, I, I, I see that's, that's what's so awesome about a hot sauce is that you can just be like, okay, you give me three, any three ingredients and I'll make the rest. And it can end up being like this brilliant hot sauce that, I mean, there's definitely ones that haven't turned out well, but like, I love thinking about, kind of just like a certain ingredient and yeah. um sweet potato was i was at the farmer's market uh yesterday and i was like oh like sweet potato huh like i haven't 
I have I have crack sauce has a pumpkin hot sauce, which was our first hot sauce because nice. that was I, I it was just in my garden. I had hot sauce, onions, garlic, uh, ghost peppers, habanero, and I've never made hot sauce before, so I just kind of was like, oh, let's put it all together and and make it. But like I, I think it's fun like thinking about a region, what's what's abundant, what's fresh and right there with you, and then your kind of chef brain is like, okay, well we gotta make it a certain pH, we gotta have certain heat liquid what pairs together and that's uh, fun so do you do a good amount of traveling like to, to different regions or, or uh i'm, I'm curious like kind of your, your favorite part like w- within traveling to new places I, I know uh the food must be fun but uh i, I i'd imagine like the the music too and just the getting the sense of community at the different areas as well. Oh yeah, it's, I mean, uh, we always joke because this has been one of the most incredible rides for sure, getting to make hot sauce, which is super fun, obviously, and uh, getting to meet all the amazing community gardeners is wonderful. Uh, maybe two years ago when we were first starting to expand out of New York City, we went to this thing called Natural Expo West. And a lot of people who aren't in you know, the food industry don't realize that there's four major food shows every year that kind of dictate what is on the shelves of your local grocery store because they kind of go through one or two major national distributors and, you know, you spend three or four days at a booth in the Javits Center or at the Anaheim Convention Center and you're hawking your product and you're hoping that the person who walks by happens to control the account for Wegmans or for Whole Foods or for any of these great, you know, different stores that are Sprouts are beloved in all different regions of the country and so i mean it's just we've had an excuse to kind of go to la uh, to san francisco to new york obviously is where we're based out of to baltimore every year they have a big one and so kind of when we were you know thinking about the gardens that we could work with and the regions of the country that we could work with we tried to piggyback always on these um you know sales runs that we would go on to the different uh, food shows and stuff like that. And you might not realize this, but even though we're a very popular hot sauce, maybe we're not very wealthy. No one in the food industry, no one really gets rich in the hot sauce world, I don't think. And so we have to try and uh, put the two things together. And so yeah. we would kind of piggyback the trip out to LA with meeting community gardeners in San Diego or Phoenix or Tucson. I remember one year I took uh, like a 10 day long road trip through the Southwest, just adding awesome. community garden partners. Salt Lake City cool. went to. Oh yeah, you know, Salt Lake City. When we did Northern California, we added Oakland and Sacramento one year. Um, the one in Baltimore, we kind of were able to add five or six gardens in Baltimore. And then we went to go to a food show every year in Chicago, which is how that kind of came to be. And then Detroit as well as a quick, a quick drive away from Chicago. And so a lot of the things that we've been able to do has been piggybacking the the sales with the development of the community initiative because when we first started we grew enough peppers to make a hot sauce that was regionally distributed in new york city and that was great yep. but as we've kind of grown we wanted to make sure that the amount of peppers we're sourcing kind of keeps up in some version of parity with how many bottles we're selling because it would be disingenuous to try and make a you know a chicago hot sauce that grows 10 pounds of peppers in yep. chicago and doesn't really have any of that community buy-in and so it's not just one garden that we want to work with we want to work with as many gardens as we can 10 gardens 20 gardens which will allow us to kind of cultivate that community within the growers themselves. And so it's been one of those things that we could buy as many pounds of peppers as we want, but unless we have 
customers buying the hot sauce, we're going to run out of money pretty fast and the whole thing's going to go away. And so we've tried to kind of grow, you know, oh, we go to LA. This is actually a pretty funny example. We were in Baltimore for the um, Natural Food Expo East and we met a, the guy who was in charge of Giant Foods, which is a very big chain that goes all the way down from uh, Richmond all the way up to Philadelphia. Or something. It's got to kind of, be Giant if it's Giant. Yeah, it's Giant. They have hundred <laughs> stores or so. And the guy was super into the story. He was super into supporting community. The problem was we didn't have, we had a Bronx hot sauce, which wasn't necessarily in that region. And we had a few gardens in Charlottesville. But no offense to the good people of Charlottesville, I don't think that people would necessarily buy a Charlottesville hot sauce. Like, you know, that says the Charlottesville hot sauce. It just doesn't have the same ring, you know? We ran into yeah. that problem with Sacramento as well. Uh, you know, the Sacramento hot sauce doesn't really have the same ring as the Bronx or the Oakland. And so he wanted a local hot sauce and he said he would put us in the stores in 200 to 300 stores if we were able to kind of develop this. And so literally right out of the Natural Expo Food East, you know, we ran out of there at five o'clock. We had emailed five or six of the gardens that we were talking to, but we didn't have anything definitive yet. And it was Saturday, so they were all in the garden. It was in early September. And so my friend and I, who was working at the food show, we ran around West Baltimore for two or three hours, just shaking hands, giving out hot sauce to all the community gardens. And by the end of that day, we had four or five gardens sign up to grow. Wow. So we were able to go back to the guy the next day and say, yeah, we're, we already had the flavor from Chef King. We actually make our habanero ginger hot sauce out of Baltimore yeah. now. And so we had the flavor. We had the recipe and everything set up. All we needed to do was, you know, get some gardens lined up so we could put it on the label with, you know, a real legitimacy that we were going to grow 200, 300 pounds of peppers there uh, the first year. And uh, it was just kind of one of those perfect things. And then within six months, we were had a, our first purchase order from Giant because of that Baltimore hot sauce. And so That's now sick. they carry the Baltimore hot sauce and they carry the Bronx hot sauce and they carry, um, I think, habanero mango as well, which, which is says small X peppers, habanero mango, because we couldn't figure out how to get them to buy, you know, another city as well, so. That's a hustle. That's, that's, that's fun about that. It's just like, like you get an inch, got to go get it and then like report and get, get another one and, and keep on going. Um, that, that's, that's cool. Well, I, that was interesting how you said um, earlier, you haven't thought about the future when you think about the past. So I, I have a, a past question that is hopefully going to kind of raise some, some good, good, good feelings and then a, a future. Cause I'm, I'm curious, like, these are very uncertain times and, and I know kind of agriculture and community is kind of a big piece of that, but I want to start with kind of the past piece. So I've really enjoyed following you on Instagram and especially when you preface this, the story saying, this is not about hot sauce, but like this show is awesome. I know you're, you're a big music fan and yes. I was, I was very jealous, uh, uh, when you were seeing Dead & Co. On, on Halloween. But what yeah, were some of your favorite shows from uh, this past year that, that you went to? Oh, that's a great question. So I'm lucky because my business partner, John Crotty, is also a great music lover. And I actually wasn't necessarily a deadhead until I worked next to him for four or five years. <laughs> and after hearing Fire on the Mountain for the 10,000th time, <laughs> something just clicked with me and I absolutely fell in love with it. But, um, you know, so we both, you know, especially when we travel to these food shows and stuff, we both always look up the, the cool acts to see and the best, um, you know, the best local stuff. 
that's going on in that area. And so I'll just tell you uh, one of my favorite uh, moments with music and the hot sauce of those things, things two things can go together. Uh, I had, as you said, lived in New Orleans for a few years after college, then we teach for America. And I go back as much as I can and I go any chance I can get pretty much. And we, you know, cause I'm a snob, I guess, I would not go to Bourbon Street. I don't really go to Bourbon Street. I lived there for two or three years and you know, there was no point. It was never something that I ever wanted to do. It was too touristy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that you would say. And so I was with Chef King and Crotty for the Kehi Food Distributor Show in February before this whole coronavirus thing had happened. And we were just, you know, between meals. We had had two lunches and we were about to have two dinners, but we had maybe two hours in between those times that we were going to kind of uh, just chill out. So Chef King wants to go to um, Bourbon Street, which is, like I said, not something that I would choose to do, but I knew one or two places. And so we wound up walking down uh, Bourbon Street and we walked into a totally empty bar and it smelled kind of like Bourbon Street, which is a very unique smell of stale beer and some other substances that are just kind of floating around. And there was, it was called, I think, Tropical Isle. And it's kind of a Caribbean themed bar and something like that. And it was totally empty. And without missing a beat, uh, my partner, John Crotty, you know, gave the band a tip and asked for the song Small Axe. And they, said they had never gotten that request before, which was already pretty cool. And they played the whole thing by memory because they, it was one of their favorite Bob Marley songs as well, wow. too. And wow. so it was just one of those, like you said, serendipitous moments between meeting the uh, pepper expert in the bar in upstate New York and meeting this guy who happened to, we all had the Bronx hot sauce t-shirts on and hats on. He said, I've never heard that requested. And I've certainly never heard it requested by a guy from the Bronx. And so we all <laughs> So that was a great show. I mean, Dead and Company is great. I mean, it's just been an amazing uh, time. Uh, my partner, John Crotty, saw Ziggy Marley, and he was able to give him a few, which is Bob Marley's son, he was able to give him a few samples of, um, oh, of the Small Axe Peppers hot sauce. Uh, and he said, like, you know, how we inspired by his dad we were and all this different stuff. And so I figure if we have a, if we ever get big enough, we might have a lawsuit coming. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but at, yeah, least, but at a, least we got it out front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Front. Yeah, that, that, that's the way to do it. Be up, up front and honest. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, but it really does come from. I should I would be remiss of saying that the inspiration from the quote really does come from uh, an old ancient proverb that we were inspired by. That Bob Marley also uh, was inspired by. So just uh, just for the record. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. Well. Um, I know, and then kind of going into the future, like I've been talking, every single person, every single business communities are affected with what's going on with coronavirus, and especially in in New York. And so, yeah, I guess kind of what's morale like right now, and and I guess also kind of after that, kind of how is that affecting? your your job and and small ox peppers yeah i mean well this is normally the time of year that a lot of the gardeners are pretty excited about um ramping up production of starting their gardens the weather's finally nice here in new york getting back into the soil getting back into the gardens and so the word you know community gardens has two words right community and garden so right now the community aspect is obviously under siege with social distancing and with all the measures that have to be taken in place so people can remain safe and healthy, but the garden is still there. And so the question will be, and this is up for them to decide, I mean, we sent them the seeds and the seedlings as if it was any other year, 
uh, we just encourage them to do what they do as safely as possible. I mean, gardening can be a very solitary activity. I mean, I'm sure it is if you live, uh, you know, in the suburbs or some other place like this where you have your own space and stuff. By design, community gardens are in very densely populated urban spaces. So we'll have to see how that kind of um, translates for them and whether they're going to have rotations where, you know, people from different sides of the garden you know, go at different times and stuff like that. That's up to them to decide, obviously. But we'll just uh, want to convey that we'll be there for them, whatever they need and any support that we can give them from our, you know, aspect, we're more than happy to try and provide so if they're willing to grow peppers and sell peppers we'll buy peppers as if it was any other year yeah you know safety first you know so yeah it works. So. one thing yeah. that's kind of good is that grocery stores haven't closed so people yeah. are definitely getting in touch with the food system in a way that you know maybe takeout has declined and maybe restaurant going is sadly very declined for all the people who have lost jobs that way but people are going to grocery stores and spending a lot more time cooking so hopefully yeah translates things to a real appreciation of local products and small batch artisanal products and stuff like that. That would be one good thing that would come out of this horrible tragedy of the coronavirus. So. Yeah, exactly. Like I think I've been trying to kind of think about what's the, the good that's going to come with it because obviously there's a, a lot of horrible stuff going on. That's, that's um, really tough. Thank, thankfully I haven't been kind of too negatively affected at this point but like i was talking to uh my fiance like what what was going to kind of change between kind of us and like we've been going to a farmer's market every week and kind of sourcing all our food from people that are growing it here and i, I think there is something that i mean i've just been feeling great in terms of my health just eating local vegetables and and i am my dad has a garden for as long as i can remember and just like whenever eat one of the salads from every single thing is from the garden. Mm -hmm. I just really feel like the superpower in terms of the nutrients. Yeah, there. no, for sure. I mean, we go out, my uh, partner, Crotty has a second home uh, and King is able to go and I've gone in the past as well. And we have, we call it our company retreat where we all get together for the weekend and listen to good music and go fishing and stuff like this. And uh john crotty has a little garden in his backyard as well and so chef king is obviously an amazing chef and so he we have a meal that we call like a 24-hour meal which is to say within 24 hours everything on the plate was at one point alive between the fish that was swimming in the ocean between the tomatoes that we picked fresh from the garden and stuff like that and like you said it just changes the way that you think about the whole meal if you created it if you saw it from seed to plant to fruit if you caught the fish and so it's just an amazing thing and so yeah that is definitely something that we're hoping to encourage not just you know obviously through these times but through all urban farming and yeah stuff like that, yeah to realize the importance of that type of stuff because it really does taste better like you said even if you're not such a good cook like myself <laughs> you're in, <laughs> the right ingredients is you have with like with the right ingredients you have a lot of uh, more leeway yeah, well, with a hot sauce too, because that that always has six or seven good ingredients in there that can be added to one. Um, cool. Well, uh, Dan, I, I really appreciate you kind of sharing the story, and and um, I mean, it, it's been cool hearing about the details in the background in terms of have you you've all grown, but just the, all, all the communities are around it too. So, um, I, I guess as we kind of wrap up, any any kind of last thoughts or stories for for, for the audience. 
Uh, I mean, we kind of touched on most of it, but the idea that I would say is just uh, wherever you are in the country, Google Community Garden and see if there's one in your neighborhood. See if you can volunteer. They're the most warm and welcoming people you'll ever experience. Um, if you just go get your hands in the soil for a day or two, and um, I promise you it will change the way that you think about food and it will change the way that you think about your neighborhood and who knows what wonderful things will come out of it. But I encourage it to everyone who listens to the podcast, you know, highly. So that's awesome. definitely where I would leave it off at. Cool. Cool. Uh, I appreciate it, Dan. Th thanks for, for sharing the story. Thanks so much, Brian, for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I want to say thank you to Dan for sharing the story of Small X Peppers. I uh, hope that uh, was an entertaining and uh, fun little listening time for you. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a little review and subscription, a little uh, five stars, that, that's what we would love and appreciate. And yeah, check out uh, their hot sauce. It is unbelievable hot sauce and you should definitely try it out on the Craft Hot Sauce subscription box. It will be included with Sacred Sauce, who was on our last podcast with Alan and Gringo Bandito. You can bet I tried so hard to get uh, Dexter Holland from the offspring, owner of Gringo Bandito on the podcast. Almost got him, but I didn't. But we got him to answer some interview questions in the Craft Hot Sauce story, uh, which will actually be included with that box. So we got an awesome box for you. Check out their sauces and uh, check out the Craft Hot Sauce subscription box. Hope you all uh, have a great day. And here's the whole song with Tomorrow the Sun Will Rise. See ya. Try